0: Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unfiltered Supporters Show. Good to have you here. And it's nice out. It's a warm, warm day here in the Pacific Northwest. Just me today, I think. Although you never know, Chase might actually show up. He's uh, he has family in town. Of the mother law, in that the variety. You know what I'm talking about, the mother-in-law situation? So we're giving him some room. We're going to let him navigate that situation as he needs to, my friends. If you understand what I'm saying, I think you do, because you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about? Mother-in-law. Anyways, that's okay, because we've got a big show today. This is going to be, uh, I, I definitely would recommend, and I'll try to remember to mention this when we get into the main show, too, that Uh, If you didn't catch episode 102 of the Unfiltered show, it would go really well with this show. It's not going to be required, especially for the supporter show section. But it would be my pro tip. Uh, All right. Well, uh, we're going to – one of our NSA clips uh, this week is going to start uh, with some Greenwald stuff. So for a little extra context, Greenwald's still going out there pushing the book. And he goes on Bill Maher, ends up dropping the S-bomb. So if you're uh, at work – There will be an S-bomb a few minutes into this clip, but it gets to be a pretty heated exchange on Bill Maher, and uh, I don't actually capture Bill Maher's show, but this got posted online, so uh, I grabbed it. Check out this exchange. It gets a little brutal.
1: Now, before before we lose time, I want to get to your book. This is a little awkward because you are both the guest... And kind of the issue here. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, makes it more fun that way. It does make it more fun. You are, but for whatever reason, you are and always will be linked with Edward Snowden. Sure. When they write your biography, and I hope it's not for 100 years, it's going to say something, Edward Snowden. I mean, you you are, you know... Uh, the... It's what
2: happens when you go around the world publishing the top, thousands of top secret documents from the world's most powerful government. You tend to be linked with that activity.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, I, you know, I think most people have mixed feelings about this. On the one hand, we do want our government to be transparent. On the other hand, we do have real enemies who really do play soccer with people's heads. Uh, <laughs> I don't want that to happen to me. Uh, so I think we do uh, sympathize, and a lot of us think a lot of what Snowden did was, was great, and, and you're abetting him. But we also uh-huh. think, um, well, if we are going to have someone who is going to you know, be the one to take secret materials and disseminate it, um, why you? you weren't elected to that post. That seems to be what the question always comes down to.
2: Right, except there is this thing, the Constitution, that does say that there's a guaranteed a free press. And the reason for that is because the founders knew, and I think everybody who pays minimal attention to any politics anywhere knows that when people in power can... Uh, operate in the dark inevitably they abuse that power and so you need outside forces to bring light and transparency to what they're doing and one of the ways you do that is through journalism and through guaranteeing a free press that is its purpose to
1: provide a check on those who wield power Let, let me read you okay yeah okay Sure. And okay. Yeah, all right. Let me read you, uh, Michael Kinsley. His uh, he's got an answer to this. He says the Constitution is for everyone. There shouldn't be a special class of people called journalists with privileges like publishing secret government oh, documents. Oh, I agree good. with that.
2: I mean, the idea of journalism is that citizens can do that. That was what the free press was. It wasn't this class of people who work for large media outlets. It was a tool to let citizens work against the government, work against people in power through.
0: Now, this is where it's about to start heating up. Now, you know, kind of for context, I think you got to remember that Bill Maher is a huge Obama supporter. And I believe Bill Maher has been caught now in the situation where he kind of has to internally justify a lot of the crap that Obama has done. I think... Mar, isn't it in the millions or million that uh, Mar contributed to the Obama campaign? Through the
2: printing press, through all kinds of activity, and you're protected from that. There, let me just say this. The, if you look at what the biggest problem in government is, and you ask yourself, is the biggest problem that there's too much secrecy, or is the problem that there's too much transparency? I think everybody across the political spectrum would agree the problem is way too much secrecy and not enough transparency. Well, so, I, I don't know. I, I,
1: don't, I, that I, agree. I, I it certainly. Certainly not everyone would agree with that. I mean, Rich, Richard Clark was here.
2: Yeah, the beginning. people who work in the government wouldn't agree whoa, with that.
0: Whoa, 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 Richard. Yeah, and Richard Clark, who now makes money in the private industry, scaring people over cyber threats and terrorism.
1: Clark doesn't work in the well, government. Well, he did for, for a long time. For a long time, and, and he, he was hardly the bad guy. Yeah, well, but, I mean, there, there, there is a, a larger debate here. I mean, if, if Snowden did release these
3: documents, and we find out it does perform a service, but at the same time, he's still hiding in Russia.
0: Okay, now I love this. So this guy, uh, he's just, he's just going to immediately start pulling out the go-to anti-Snowden statements. He's hiding in Russia. He's hiding in Russia. God, this has got to be my favorite one out of all of them. My, my favorite anti-Snowden jab is he's hiding in Russia. Not that the State Department revoked his passport while he was in transit. No, 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 no. He's hiding in Russia. Not that he's been desperately seeking asylum anywhere else but Russia. No, no, no. He's hiding in Russia.
3: I mean, it would be a different story if he came back and made his case and faced the music. That is total and, bullshit. Let me just say I don't that. think that's total why, bullshit Let me just I don't think that's all, total why, bullshit Why is, why would
2: Edward Snowden want to come back to the United States, a country that has a systematic attack on why would the he hide and, in Russia? He's not hiding. Which is, he has asylum. Is, Daniel okay. Ellsberg wrote an off-ed in Daniel July Ellsberg. Of 2013. And he's Daniel, not Daniel Ellsberg. Daniel Ellsberg said, Edward Snowden is just like me, and he is right to flee the country because if he would not get a fair trial, now devolved okay. into
3: a discussion about Snowden instead of about the issue. Well, that's because, well, we because really he just did that. No, no, we should be discussing the an issue. issue, and right, he can come NSA. back and make
1: that case here on the you, show well, and wait, anywhere well, else. Well, well, else. Being in Russia doesn't stop. Let, let me from just. From just but it doesn't help NSA. American interests either. Let me get back to the core issue, which, which is: Did he hurt us in a way? that we can't forgive him for. Rich-
0: because, of course, Bill Maher is absolutely an expert on this topic. He's totally qualified to, 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 to lead that conversation. That's the conversation Bill Maher should be having.
1: Richard Clark, who I do respect, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. I'm proud that I respect yeah. Richard Clark. <laughs> he said, <laughs> President Obama appointed me to a five-person group to review the entire issue around Snowden, and we had all the clearances in the world, and we looked at what he leaked What Snowden revealed has helped the terrorists. This is not a theory. He revealed things that there was no reason to reveal and only helped people like Putin and the terrorists. Now, I
0: don't know. I like that he throws in there, it helps Putin. That's... That's the new go to, right? Because you can't, you know, terrorism, that's scary. But terrorism and Putin? It's not on this
1: five person committee that saw things only he saw. There's no whistleblower
2: where people in government don't say that. Daniel Ellsberg is considered a hero by everybody. You just said, you know, he's no Ellsberg. Go and look at what the Nixon administration said Mm. about Daniel Ellsberg in 1971 when he wasn't a hero. He's helping the Russians. He's probably a Russian Mm. spy. He's putting men and women Mm. in harm's way. People in the national security establishment, like Richard Clark, even if they're well intentioned, hate. Transparency. They want to work in secrecy. They say this in every instance. But you have, such, you have, su- you have such certainty. You are helping the you terrorists. Have, have it's propaganda. But, but you have such certainty. That's and, and, because and he's informed. I, I
3: respect your position. But you have such certainty. How do you know that the information that he revealed did not? Uh, let me I'll, finish. I'll let me you, finish. Did not cost American lives. How do you know that? We're, what American
2: lives? Is there a single well, piece of Richard evidence? Clark and others that are apparently looking at that, the information that's, that's in from the and are objective and making the case? They always read from what Edward Snowden did is he it can't came be he, did, he didn't release a single document. He came to two of the most well regarded newspapers in the world and he said, "I am giving you this material and I want you very carefully to vet it and only release that which is necessary to inform my fellow citizens about what their government is doing." We've had tens of thousands of documents for over a year and a tiny percentage. Of those has been released at his insistence. The real criticism comes from people like WikiLeaks that says you haven't released enough. I have respect for that criticism. The criticism that we've released too much and there's all kinds of dead Americans all but around, this honest, is just propaganda. I don't that's think all it's necessarily is.
3: propaganda. I mean, you haven't answered Where the are the dead Americans? Do you know for names? a fact that there aren't? What, I mean, what are they? Who, you're making you know? the allegations. No, no, no. I'm are telling you that you are so certain. are so all, certain. If, if and I wouldn't be that aggressive in my certainty and i think we're going to see how it plays and out there, there is an important if role and if they, well, and and died, you there's an, who there's are and an who are and important they role are. for whistleblowers and, in our society okay and, and also, i will defend whistleblowers whistleblowers broke the va scandal in phoenix if not for whistleblowers we would not know how or bad the problem. grave or
1: the lying and, and there, is of an, there, is an, there is an, but, but, role. I mean, an important role for them. You, you said what are their names <laughs> but they have responsibility too if they were in the cia we wouldn't know that that's star on the wall there they're not going to issue a press release i never knew who they were so we're just supposed
2: to take the no 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 but are we supposed, oh, to I mean, okay. are supposed to take your word? Are, 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 are we supposed I, to
4: take your word? I think you should have evidence I for accusations okay. you want to make.
0: Okay, I, I, all right, just time for a district. There you go. So there you go. And I think too, I think uh, to Greenwald's point, uh, if there had been lives that were uh, claimed as a result of uh, the uh, Snowden reporting, don't you think they would be doing everything they could to either leak that or draw attention to that at least, so that way they could quantify the damage that's been done. When we, I mean, think about it. Think about how the government behaves when that kind of thing happens. Uh, Speaking of how the government behaves, here's one I didn't, uh, well, actually, you know what? It's election season. Totally kind of expected this.
5: Everyone made nice for an event at the White House, the president joking that House Speaker Boehner is one of his favorite golfing buddies.
6: You have got criticized a couple of times for playing the game of golf. I'll note that the list of people who criticized you did not include Speaker Boehner.
7: Uh, <laughs> it's the only thing that doesn't criticize me. Now. <laughs>
5: Yet as this was happening, the news was spreading that Boehner is consulting legal scholars about the Republican-controlled House possibly suing President Obama for acting alone.
7: America cannot stand still, and neither will I. I've initiated over 20 executive actions to try to tighten up some of the rules (laughs) and the laws.
5: Those famous executive actions, dozens and dozens of them tweaking regulations and making moves on some of the most controversial topics, things he knows congress won't or can't touch gun control climate change minimum wage gay marriage power plants health care immigration
7: whenever i can act on my own i'm going to we are not just going to be waiting for legislation
5: that's what i'm going to do with or without congress
4: the president will announce new concrete actions that he will take using his pen i've got a pen And I've got a phone.
5: That pen outraging Congress. Things like not consulting them on the deal for releasing Bo Bergdahl and allowing hundreds of thousands of immigrant children brought to the U.S. illegally by their parents to stay. Other modern presidents have not used executive actions over more legally binding executive orders. Boehner's spokesman says the president has a clear record of ignoring the American people's elected representatives and exceeding his constitutional authority, which has dangerous implications for both our system of government and our economy. And while moves to limit the president's authority have not made it through the Democratic controlled Senate, Boehner feels a lawsuit might just do it. The White House hasn't responded to this specifically, but they've repeatedly slammed Congress for failing to act on issues that affect the American people. Now, if this plan were deemed feasible and House leadership agreed to it, this would mean the legislative branch suing the executive branch for taking away some of its power and leaving it to the judicial branch to decide it all.
0: So what I find to be interesting about that is obviously this is a little bit of a game of politics, uh, and but it could be one of those strategies that really blows up in Boehner's face because what's the White House's response going to be to this? Look at them not getting any work done again. Look at them. they are not Once again, they're not taking care of the American people. They're playing politics just like they did with the shutdown. And why did I have to go out there and take all this action and do these things they're going after me for? Because they're so ineffective. And here's another example of them being ineffective. So they're going to have to be really careful how they manage this particular strategy because it could very easily be spun around in their face. Uh, All right. Something a little military action happened in Syria. You know, we've been so focused on Iraq, which I think is a little bit or Iraq, sorry, which is a little bit of a disservice because these things are so closely tied together. That's why I think it's pretty fascinating that we just got an announcement that Israel took a strike in Syria this past week.
8: Now, some breaking news for you. The Israeli military has confirmed that they have launched airstrikes and have hit nine targets in Syria, and these targets include military headquarters. In a statement that we've just received, the Israeli military said that direct hits were confirmed. The airstrikes were in response to a cross-border attack that left an Israeli teenager dead. Now, the statement goes on to say yesterday's attack was an unprovoked act of aggression against Israel and a direct continuation to recent attacks that occurred in the area it said that Israel will not tolerate any attempt to breach Israel's sovereignty and will act in order to safeguard the civilians of the state of Israel we'll continue to monitor this breaking news for you and bring you more as and when we get it
0: Mm. yes we will continue won't we Okay, so let's see. Uh, before we get to our topic de jour, gosh, we got a couple of things we really got to take care of. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to save that. Why don't we start out uh, and we'll circle in. This is a little U.S. specific. Uh, the whole IRS scandal be going down,
9: getting heated. Outrage tonight involving the IRS claiming to have lost thousands of crucial documents. Lawmakers asking, how can the tax man be let off the hook for losing documents while ordinary taxpayers would never get away with that? ABC's Jeff Zeleny on the case tonight.
10: The IRS commissioner on the hot seat Gosh, today, admitting his agency lost two years of emails from its biggest scandal in decades. Why? Because of a computer crash. You asked taxpayers to hang on to seven years of their personal tax information in case, in case they were ever audited. And you can't keep six months' worth of employee emails. Congress is demanding those emails to help explain why the IRS targeted Tea Party groups. But the commissioner says they're gone. The actual hard drive, after it was determined that it was dysfunctional, was recycled and destroyed in the normal process. Congress today not buying it. This is being misleading again. I don't. I don't believe you. That's the first time anybody has said that you do not believe me. I'm actually. I don't believe you. That's fine. For the commissioner, it was a long day. It's all about trust, and nobody trusts the IRS right now. This is amazingly awful. This is the most corrupt and deceitful IRS history we caught up with him after the hearing if an american taxpayer used the excuse that you know my hard drive is lost my receipts are gone what would the irs say
2: if the american taxpayer said my hard drive's gone but i can give you other information the irs
10: would work with them (laughs) yet another black eye for the irs jeff zeleny abc
0: news capitol hill oh man that program although it may be attractive (laughs) is really a trap oh i see thank you richard Oh, that IRS scandal is just getting funnier and funnier to watch. Uh, All right, we got to get scared. Got to scare the American people. We're getting closer to our topic this time. It's about now okay to to the new terror
8: warning we have heard about tonight. ABC News has learned of signs that terrorists in Syria and Yemen <laughs> are trying to create explosives that can be smuggled onto a plane <laughs> as everyday items. Oh they hope passengers with U.S. passports will be carrying them. ABC's senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas tells us what he is learning now.
0: Interesting little uh, thing I've noticed cropped up in a batch of clips. If you pay attention... I don't actually know if any of them made it into the cuts that I have, but definitely some some of them are in the overtime folder in the supporters BitTorrent sync. They're referring to Americans that go to Syria and then come back as just passports. There is a hundred there is currently a hundred passports in Syria fighting and they're concerned about some of them coming back and they have those passports under monitoring uh, so it's interesting that uh, and this is I've noticed it in ABC the most and it's interesting that right here Diane just kind of slipped that little bit in:
8: they hope passengers with US passports will be carrying them ABC's senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas tells us what he is learning now. <laughs>
11: Intelligence sources tell ABC News in lawless parts of war-torn Syria, al-Qaeda-affiliated terrorists from around the world are now joining forces, trying to build bombs that are virtually undetectable to airport security. One official now calls Syria the new university for terrorism training and bomb making. Which official? Sources say the radicals are trying to create non-metallic bombs that could be hidden in everyday objects. Which sources? Molded into toothpaste, woven into clothing... Or
0: placed in cosmetics. So, bombs that are molded into toothpaste, woven into clothing, or placed in cosmetics is what they're worried about. Now, of course, when there's one scary bomb we have to always refer to, even though they were being pushed forward by a CAA plot and monitored the entire time. The fear among intelligence officials is that one of the thousands
11: of foreign (laughs) fighters in Syria. Many of them from Western countries oh. could try to smuggle one of these new generation bombs onto a plane headed for Europe or the U.S.
0: I'm not scared enough yet.
11: Can you scare me a this little is more? This
10: exactly the kind of threat that keeps me up at night. Oh. For
11: instruction, some of the most ruthless elements in Syria have turned to al-Qaeda in Yemen, proven innovative bomb makers. Why? That's the group that designed the infamous underwear bomb, which oh. slipped onto a U.S.-bound airliner on Christmas Day 2009 but <laughs> failed to fully detonate. Since then, the intelligence community fears the bomb makers have become even more sophisticated.
0: And if uh, you are, if you pay close attention, that won't even be the last reference to the underwear bomb in today's program, even though they'll be talking about something completely different and unrelated.
10: This collection, this relationship building that you see around the world, that's why those of us who do this for a living are so concerned about the security threat to the United States.
7: I'm still very concerned, as we've talked about before, about Syria as a breeding ground and a staging ground for uh, terrorist groups. While no specific
11: plot has been identified, tonight the intelligence community is redoubling its effort to track any foreign fighters moving in or out of Syria.
8: And Pierre, I wondered, how confident are American intelligence officials that they know how many U.S. passports are out there?
11: Diane, it's an intensive campaign to track the 70 to 100 Americans who've gone into Syria. Those who come home are under various levels of inve- investigation and surveillance. But the FBI director this week expressed concern that some Americans may be slipping into Syria undetected, oh. and that's a
0: real worry.
8: All right, Pierre Thomas, with what he is learning tonight.
0: Oh, I'm glad he learned that. Thank you, Pierre. So, uh, pro tip from the Unfilter Show: Don't slip into Syria. They'll watch you. Okay, so while we're on Syria, I I, I just, you know, you know how sometimes we talk about something and it goes on for weeks and weeks and the media talks about, oh, we need to get into Syria, we need to arm the rebels, well, what about Al-Qaeda? Al-Qaeda's in there, how do we not arm those guys? Uh, Could they ever even have a chance to defeat Assad? And we sit here on the Unfiltered show and we go, no, this doesn't make any sense, You'd never be able to control the arms. Well, now look who's, now look how ISIS has gotten armed, right? Uh, they'll never have a chance of uh, toppling Assad, especially if he's backed by Iran. Uh, so, no, it, it seems pointless. But yet again, we just saw all these hawks and all this pushing. Well, now here we are. Here we are, weeks and weeks later, and Obama's just so nonchalantly like, yeah, no. If we would have supported those rebels, that never would have worked. That would have been stupid.
5: Would that vacuum exist had we backed the moderate rebel forces in Syria.
7: Uh, yes. I, I think the, this notion that somehow there was this ready-made, moderate uh, Syrian force that was able to defeat uh, al- Assad uh, is simply not true. Uh, oh. And uh, you know, we have spent a lot of time trying to work with a moderate uh, opposition in Syria. Um, but uh, as I said yesterday, uh, when you get farmers and dentists and uh, folks who have never fought before going up against a ruthless opposition in Assad. Uh, The notion that they were in a position suddenly uh, to overturn, uh, you know, not only Assad but also ruthless uh, highly trained jihadists uh, if we just sent a a few arms uh, is a fantasy. Uh, And uh, I think it's very important for, uh, you know, the American people uh, but maybe more importantly, Washington and the the press corps understand that.
0: No, wait, wait a minute here. <laughs> okay, so did you catch what Obama just said? The notion that we were going to be able to... Oh, yeah. What? Well, then why do we have so many CIA over there? Why do we have contractors over there? Why are we sending them guns right now? I See, this is why I, I'm so glad I'm not running the country, because to me that just doesn't make any sense. Seems like you're saying one thing and doing another thing. And he seemed pretty earnest, I got to say. Uh, All right. So we got one more one more thing. We're going to come back to Obama. Then we're going to get to our main topic. This one is something we've been promising we're going to get to. We're going to cover it also in the show. This is just a little more mainstream poppy take on it. So for those of you uh, listening to the supporter show, you're going to be able to compare and contrast more mainstream news coverage, which is going to be this clip versus something like from Democracy Now!, where you get more information, but the production's a lot different. Not that it's incredible on this one, but there's you'll be able to compare and contrast and see what I'm saying.
9: In another big story today, a federal court ordered the release of a top secret Justice Department memo that cleared the Obama administration to kill an American living overseas. Anwar al-Awlaki was born in New Mexico, but he lived in Yemen and preached violence against America on behalf of Al-Qaeda. His sermons inspired the Fort Hood gunman and others. Oh, really? Here's Bob Orr. Huh. <laughs> By July 2010, U.S. intelligence had concluded that Anwar al-Awlaki, a U.S.-born Islamic cleric, was plotting attacks for al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. The U.S. government secretly made plans to kill al and the Justice Department delivered this memo, giving the Pentagon and the CIA legal authority to carry out the hit. al Alaki is a leader of AQAP, whose activities in Yemen pose a continued and imminent threat of violence. United States persons and interests. The memo went on to explain that Alaki, who was born in New Mexico, was aligned with Al Qaeda and his capture was not feasible. Even though he was an American citizen, he was a legal target. We do not believe that Al Alaki's U.S. citizenship imposes constitutional limitations that would preclude the contemplated lethal action. Alaki's teachings had inspired the Fort Hood gunman. Yeah, of course. And Alaki had played a direct role in putting the underwear bomber aboard a flight bound for Detroit. Oh, the
0: underwear bomber. The memo
9: warned AQAP and Alaki were working on more plots. That person is engaged in continual planning and direction of attacks. So Justice Department lawyers concluded, killing Alaki would not deprive him of his constitutional rights. Oh, I love that. The use of lethal force would not violate the fourth amendment of course not about fourteen months after that memo green lighted the strike alaki was killed by cia drones in yemen another american samir khan who was traveling with alaki at the time was also killed but scott the government says khan was not deliberately targeted the fourth amendment of course Whoa. prohibiting unreasonable search and seizure yes Bob, thanks thank Scott. You very much
0: so uh, by the way that uh, unintended uh, target ah huh? yeah he was a kid <clears throat> and also we also droned his son, but we didn't mention that in the report. Oh, excuse us, did we leave that out? Yeah, his son was 16. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, his son wasn't related to terrorism at all. Oh well, that would take that would take another 20 seconds to explain to the, to the American citizens. So we better just cut that. Yeah, uh, you gotta wonder if maybe they one of the reasons they droned him is because they couldn't build the case because otherwise why not go get why not build the case and make a good public display out of him? Seems like that would secretly killing somebody. Think about that, right? If you secretly kill him, then what kind of deterrent is that? But if you publicly drag him through the system and make him embarrassed in front of the world. I don't know. I mean, seems like that might be the more preferable way to go. seems like you drone him after you can't build the case and you just, you know, you got to check a box off. All right, so let's, uh, let's get closer to uh, the situation in Iraq. Here's an interview that uh, I believe this is back to Nora talking with Obama about troops on the ground in Iraq.
12: Let's listen to the president first. Remember, this is what makes this so fascinating. He made his name. This is like saying, a meta, actually. against the Iraq meta war to coverage. begin with, and I'm going to get us out of Iraq as soon as possible. Now the president of the United States saying, U.S. military personnel going back in, but he adds an important But.
7: I think we always have to guard against mission creep. Uh, So let me repeat uh, what I've said in the past. Uh, uh, American combat troops are not going to be fighting in Iraq again.
12: I don't question Olivier, the president's commitment to that last sentence at all. Combat troops not going to be fighting. But you send in advisors, you don't know what happens next.
13: You don't, and the president may as well have been answering Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic House Minority Leader, who came out even before the president had spoken and said, look, this is the kind of deploy- deployment that has a way of swelling, of, of getting beyond your control. Um, I need a timetable or a timeline.
12: I need precise goals. She was pretty critical uh, of this plan. Right, the Democrats are nervous, Jackie, and the Republicans see an opening to criticize the president more and more and more. Listen to them in recent days, they, they not only questioning, I'm on Iraq, but now they seem to have this broader idea that this president is suddenly soft on terrorism. <laughs>
7: The spread of terrorism oh. uh, has uh, has increased exponentially oh. under this president's leadership.
9: President huh. Obama has always been a reluctant
12: commander in chief.
6: The president
9: of the United States
6: goes for fundraising and golfing. Oh, shit. And now is fiddling while Iraq burns.
12: Oh, sharp criticism of the president, but do they really want to go well beyond what the president wants to do? The president doesn't trust Maliki, doesn't want to put U.S. troops in any big combat role in Iraq again. Is that what the Republicans are saying? Uh, Troops or airstrikes, what are they looking for?
14: I mean, if you're talking about John McCain, yes. (laughs) Uh, But I think one of the interesting things about this is that, I mean, you remember during the campaign, um, Obama's foreign policy was something that a lot of Republicans couldn't touch. He had just gotten Osama bin Laden. Well, you don't need
0: to hear what they think. Because they're a bunch of idiots. Alright, moving right along. I want to start breaking a few things down. And uh, there is something, let's see here. This is going to be a little long. But I'm not even a fan of Chris Hayes, actually, to tell you the truth. In fact, I had a little bit of a personal conflict about including this. I want to see if I, I boy, you know, since you guys, let's see if I have the uh, video version of this for you. <clears throat> Yeah, I do. I do have the video version. All right. Check out the supercut that the Chris Hayes shows put together of McCain and how he's been blowing it on Iraq for like a decade.
6: All of that success, where the surge succeeded, we see this all now torn asunder because of a policy of withdrawal without victory. And when those withdrawals and that policy was being orchestrated, The senator from South Carolina and I and others stood up and said, please don't do this. Please leave a small force behind in Iraq. Because the president of the United States declares a conflict over does not mean in the eyes of the enemy that it's over.
10: Conflicts end when the enemy is defeated. John McCain met the grim news out of Iraq today by doing what John McCain does best, calling for U.S. military force in other places in the world. If only the president had listened to John McCain and prolonged the U.S. military intervention in Iraq. But before you take John McCain's I told you so speech too seriously, I'd take a moment to appreciate some of the other pearls of wisdom he's dispensed on Iraq (laughs) over the years. The second phase is Iraq...
6: Uh, 2001 some indication And I don't have the conclusions But some of this anthrax may And I emphasize may have come in from come from Iraq Anthrax or, If that may be the case Then that, that's when some tough decisions Are going to have to be made too
2: Are you one of those who holds up An optimistic view of
6: the post-war scene 2003 and the, that the people of Iraq Or at least a large number of them Will treat
9: us as liberators
6: Absolutely Well you, you make a good point As far as the cost of the war is concerned uh, But since we don't know uh, Because war so unpredictable how much that cost is going to be. That's going to be a heavy burden on the American taxpayers, but post-Saddam Hussein Iraq is going to be paid for by the Iraqis. They have billions of dollars of income. They have vast oil reserves. There is not a history of of clashes that are violent between Sunnis and Shias, Uh, so I think they can probably get along. We're going to win this victory. Tragically, we will lose American lives, but it will be brief. We're going to find out. Massive evidence of weapons of mass destruction and we're going to find the incredible brutalities that this that this dictator has inflicted upon the iraqi people and so i think he's going to be justified i'm confident that he will be justified i am confident that all those things that you predict are going to come true and a lot of people uh that have been laying out the the case against this
0: are going to be very embarrassed (laughs) and then Hayes just doesn't even have anything to say to that uh, the clip goes on to uh, sort of uh, burn, burn McCain and and everybody who's. I mean, really, they've just been blown it. Those clips go back all the way to two thousand and one, basically a month after nine uh, eleven. They've been blown it on uh, on Iraq. All right, one more mashup, and then we're going to get on to the main show, the Sunday talk shows in, in uh, ninety seconds. This is a little thing that Politico put together, kind of handy. A lot
7: of groups out there that probably have more advanced, immediate plans directed against the United States that we have to be on uh, constant guard for.
15: Now, I uh, don't intend any disrespect for the president, but I fundamentally disagree with him. I think he's dead wrong in terms of the course he's taken this nation, and I think we're in for big trouble in the years ahead because of his refusal to recognize reality and because of his continual emphasis upon getting the U.S. ...to withdraw from that part of the world.
16: That is sick when you really look back at the record. It was Vice President Cheney and Condi Rice working for George W. Bush and Rumsfeld and all those folks. It's just like, you know, a, a nightmare come back to haunt me, just frankly. Look at Libya.
9: We went into Libya and we got rid of that terrible Qaddafi. Now it's a jihad in the underland
3: over there. There's jihadists everywhere. If we were to get rid of Assad it would be a jihadist wonderland
6: in Syria. It's now a jihadist wonderland in Iraq, precisely because we got over-involved, not because we had too little involvement, but too much involvement. I believe you can work with anybody.
2: The challenge has been Harry Reid. Let me give you an example. There's more than 240 bills that have passed the House that haven't been brought up inside the Senate. If you want to know the problem and the frustration with Washington, the Senate. The Senate has not moved anything. They never send something to the president's desk, so how do you even negotiate with the president if he doesn't have the bill on his desk?
0: Hmm, that was fun, wasn't it? I forgot the. Uh, I thought I forgot Politico does that. If I remember, I'll try to grab it uh, next time because it's funny to see. And 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 uh, I grabbed that um, like Monday, I think. Then I went through my stash of clips today and grabbed clips for the show. And some of that stuff does make it into the show. I almost wish I didn't play it cuz it kind of spoiled a couple of things but just no, not really not really actually. <clears throat> all right, uh, one last pass here, let's see. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, that all looks good. I think we're good. Yep. Yep. All right, I put the uh, I put the video version of the McCain montage in the uh, supporter sync if you guys want to grab that. And the Bill Maher one too, which just got a little heated, didn't it? Hey-o. oh. All right, very good, very good. I know, yeah, I know. Like, how many of those? (laughs) Halliburton! Hey, everybody, Halliburton! This is Unfilter, episode 103 for June 25th, 2014. What would you do in Iraq?
15: Well, I, what we should have done in Iraq was, no, no, to what leave would you do now Behind not? a force? Well, what I would do now, John, is, uh, among other things, be realistic about the nature of the threat. When we're arguing over 300 advisors, uh, when the request had been for 20,000 in order to do the job right, I'm not sure we've really addressed the problem.
0: welcome to unfilter episode 103 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you really shouldn't be watching my name is Chris and mr. Chase is off this week for a family event but uh, no never fear we have a lot of good stuff in this week's episode in fact I want to say this is almost a part two of last week's episode episode 102 of the unfiltered show back in Iraq we dove into the situation as it's rapidly developing and the u.s is ever-increasing involvement in Iraq. 103. Because Chase isn't here, I'm going to do sort of a companion episode to 102. It's not required listening, but if you do have some time... I would kind of recommend you start there. Go grab episode uh, 102 and then listen to 103, but if you don't have to, I will try to keep it in such a way that you could just listen to 103. We have a good show today. And uh, one thing I like to do on the Unfiltered program is start out with a little NSA coverage, update on privacy concerns, especially where they intersect with technology, and anything that we're finding out recently. Well, one of the main events that's been going on as we sort of build up to this new release, what... Glenn Greenwald called his grand finale, his firework grand finale. He's been going out and doing this book tour, building up to this big release. And so he stopped by Shep's desk at the uh, Fox News News Center with the giant tablets. And uh, he kind of pushed him a little bit on a few questions and asked him, if he's been getting any sort of pressure not to release the latest round of information.
3: Has there been pressure on you not to release the names of those who were targeted by the NSA in this upcoming revelation? Huge pressure. What kind of pressure?
2: The NSA saying that we will be unveiling legitimate surveillance targets. Um, And, you know, the J. Edgar Hoover FBI made the same argument to people in the 60s and 70s when they unveiled those kinds of surveillance programs that were targeting right-wing groups and anti-war leaders and, and, and civil rights leaders. They said these are genuine threats and you're going to be disrupting legitimate law enforcement. That's what the government always says when you expose their secrets or bring them one onto transparency.
3: You've said that so many of these, uh, the items within these documents have not been released because you used journalistic integrity and decided not to. But Ed Snowden has taught us that releases happen whether we want them to happen or not. To What level of concern that some of the information that you have might get out that doesn't need to be out?
2: Well, the really good thing is that Edward Snowden was a highly trained operative in how to protect sensitive electronic data from unwanted disclosures. Well, that's and not so, what you hear
3: and read. I mean, well, I've seen I mean, the pushback on the, the other the, side. No, I mean,
2: there's no question. He, he trained CIA officials on how to protect some of their most in, 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 uh, sensitive information electronically. And we have used the highest forms of encryption. The only people who have lost control of any NSA documents are the NSA and the GCHQ. We have never lost control of a single document. We've been extraordinarily careful with how we've managed this information.
3: And when you publish this information, will it come out in a newspaper, and then what happens next?
2: Yeah, it'll come out at, at the Intercept, have you which is where... you to I...
3: any of these people who've been targeted or the kinds of people have been Yeah, dated? I
2: mean, that was one of the reasons it took so long is because we're not going to expose people as being NSA targets who don't want to be exposed, and there are people who don't want to be exposed even though they think it was invalid because they feel it all... Harm their reputation or compromise their privacy, but all the people who on whom we're reporting consented to it. They participated in the story. They spoke on camera. We're publishing video. Will so we that recognize can, these
3: names and some of these people?
2: You will definitely recognize some of these names and some of
0: these. I just want to make sure we capture what he just said. There, he said that these are these are U.S. citizens that he has spoken to. That they have captured on video. That they will be releasing the video, presumably, on the Intercept website. This is all all regarding his. Grand finale. People, from
3: politics, from government, from what? From a little of all of that. Okay.
2: I, just, I can't give hints, um, but, this, but, but they're, they're, they're people who, when I
0: believe... It seems very odd. Why can't he give hints? It's his story. He's the one releasing the information.
2: Will so we so recognize can,
3: these names and some of these people? You will definitely recognize some of these names and some of these people. From politics, from government, from what? From a little of all of that. Okay. And. I just I
2: can't give hints, uh, but, okay. this, but 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 they're, they're they're people who, when I believe when you see that the they're, that the that they're the targets, you will see that they have nothing to do with terrorism and that they are definitely people engaged in political activism that's controversial. And it's imminent. And it's imminent.
0: There are people who are engaged in political activism that is controversial, and the report is imminent. Hmm, that's really you know it's that I that's one of those things I think we just have to wait and see. But that's an interesting uh, statement. Uh, Something else we promised we'd follow up on and now we're going to deliver is you might be familiar with this impending drone memo release. This is what it has been called, the drone memo. Well, it's sort of a, a nice thing to call it, I suppose. It's the memo that gave the CIA, the Pentagon, and the Obama administration the legal justification. Yeah, a memo gave them the legal justification, a memo gave them the legal justification to drone U.S. citizens, several U.S. citizens, as a matter of fact. And it's been a long process to get that memo released. Well, the memo's here, and it is highly redacted, but there's a few things to note. During a three-month span in
13: 2011, U.S. drones killed four American citizens overseas. On September 30th, cleric Anwar al-Awlaki and Samir Khan were killed in a drone strike in Yemen. Two weeks later, another U.S. drone killed Anwar's 16-year-old son, Abdul Rahman, in Yemen. A month later, a U.S. citizen named Jude Kenan Mohammed was killed in Pakistan. For the past two and a half years, the Obama administration...
0: Also, uh, Ken was... I don't know why they don't n- specify, but Ken also was a young man, so... Uh, and, and actually, uh, Awaki, I don't, th- I don't think it was beyond his early 30s.
13: A month later, a U.S. citizen named Jude Kenan Mohammed was killed in Pakistan. For the past two and a half years, the Obama administration has kept secret its legal rationale for killing American citizens overseas. That changed on Monday when a federal court released a heavily redacted 41-page memo. It concludes, the 2011 authorization to use military force gave the U.S. government the authority to target Amr al who the Obama administration claims had joined al Qaeda, The Justice Department memo states, quote, we believe the AUMF's authority to use lethal force abroad also may apply in appropriate circumstances to, to a U.S. citizen who is part of the forces of an enemy.
17: The memo goes on to say the U.S. could use lethal force against a U.S. citizen when high level government officials have determined a capture operation is in- unfeasible and that the targeted person is engaged in activities that pose a continued and imminent threat to.
0: Now, a couple of pieces of clarification here. Not necessarily a judge, but just high government officials. That's pretty spooky uh, if you think about it, because it turns out those high level officials could also just be restricted to just the CIA they actually have the power. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, and I think that's critical to underscore. And the other thing that you absolutely have to keep in mind is they have changed the definition of imminent. Imminent does not actually have to mean imminent in the sense that you and I think of it, as in something's about to happen. Imminent in this definition that they're using, uh, use it's more of the potential for something to happen. That's more of what imminent means. And uh, if you want more information on that, I have a link in the show notes where they have an extended interview where they go into that particular aspect.
17: And that the targeted person is engaged in activities that pose a continued and imminent threat to U.S. persons or interests. The memo also states the U.S. Constitution would not require the government to provide, quote, further process, such as advance notice of a court hearing before carrying out a deadly strike on a U.S. citizen. The memo was written on July 16, 2010, months after the first known U.S. attempt to kill Anwar al-Awlaki. So
0: they didn't even write that memo. Until after the first attempt to kill him. And the question that we have to ask, and I think Eric's raised it nicely in the chat room, is if we really want to stop terrorism, why would we not present our case, present our evidence and drag him through the system, put him on the world stage, make everybody look at him, make everybody see how we can take one of these people, we can identify them, we can make them, we can show their face to the world and then put them through the system and throw them in jail and demonstrate how the US legal system can stop terrorism Instead, we kill them in secret so that nobody knows about it. That's not a deterrent. That's not, in, that's not preventing anybody. And then through a, a cluttered and cumbersome process, the information leaks out in an embarrassing way. And, of course, like everything these days, the critical components of this memo have been redacted. Can
17: you talk about the redaction in the footnotes?
14: Why is this so significant? The... There are multiple redactions in this memo. The largest chunks of redactions are, we know from reading the court's opinion, with respect to the factual basis for the administration's determination that it could carry out this killing. There's also a set of redactions in the footnotes that appear to be about the legal justifications. um, And... Two key aspects again here. One is that without knowing the factual basis for why these killings are lawful, we don't know whether they are in fact lawful. Repeatedly, the memo's authors say that the legal conclusions are based on factual representations made by the CIA, by the Department of Defense, and the intelligence community. It also says that senior intelligence officials can make the determination about whether facts are justified to permit the Killing. And this shows you just how dangerous it is not to have any independent judicial review before or after the fact, which is what the administration... I'm sorry, did, did she say that officials in the CIA and in the intelligence agencies... Repeatedly, the memo's authors say that the legal conclusions are based on factual representations made by the CIA.
0: Factual representations, so not the facts themselves but representations of the facts, probably because the facts are classified, right, as everything is, that can be made by the CIA. And I believe she's about to say the CIA alone has the power to decide if
14: those represented facts are good enough to kill. By the Department of Defense and the intelligence community. It also says that senior intelligence officials can make the determination about whether facts are justified to permit the Killing, And this shows you just how dangerous it is not to have any independent judicial review before or after the fact, which is what the administration has argued and what this admin- memo seeks to justify.
0: And I guess what I, when I hear that, I hear, intel- so once again, another example of how our intelligence agencies are operating potentially unilaterally. And it seems like every time we scratch down into a conflict and a, a controversy like this, We discovered an intelligence agency that was operating unilaterally. Like, I believe one of the truth—and it's come out more now, but early on, we 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 were one of the first places to say, hey, this situation in Benghazi's got something to do with the CIA annex building there. Now, that's become much more clear as the Benghazi controversy has developed. But again, what's, what's the story there? What's the weapons, what was the weapons connection in Libya? What's the weapons connection in Syria? What's the weapons connection with ISIS? And w- what is the intelligence agency's role in this? What does the NSA's metadata collection, what role does that play in the droning of al and locating him and his 16-year-old son that was somewhere else completely different? Is that the metadata program? Because it would seem from the leaks that it is. And then, so they are doing the collection, they are finding the targets, and then they are able to determine the justification internally if the facts, oh, I'm sorry, the representation of the facts are justified. Then they take it up to Barry in the form of baseball cards, and they present Barry, and this is is not even a sick, perverted joke, this is literally how they do it, they present Barry. President Obama, with a stack of cards, and on there, he looks at the vital stats of the terrorists and picks which ones they're going to go kill. And that's how they do this system. And they want us to believe that it's sophisticated. They want us to believe that it's clean. They want us to believe that there's due process, but in reality, it's people punching a card, getting a certain number, saying they're taking a tough stance on terrorism, and doing it in a way that is, if you think about it, Completely illegal, especially when you when an American citizen is involved. And then they do this crap redacted memo. What where they've redacted the actual legal reason It's disgraceful, but not unexpected anymore, is it? You know what is expected is your awesome support because you guys want to keep this show on the air, and we really appreciate you keeping us going over at patreon.com slash unfilter, 288 supporters of the Unfilter program. Now, why would you want to be an Unfilter supporter? Well, this is an ad-free show. That way I can say any stupid thing I want. And when Chase is here, he can say any stupid thing he wants. And when President Clinton stops by, same thing, right? That's that's the idea is this show really should be about – genuinely talking about the issues like, we're doing two weeks on Iraq you guys okay we're gonna do two weeks on Iraq you would never do that in a sponsor-based show not because the sponsor would even have a problem with it the sponsor wouldn't even have an issue with it and if, if on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network if a sponsor came to us and said you can't talk about that that's too boring we'd tell them to go fuck themselves No, it's not because of that. It's because you wouldn't get the clicks. You wouldn't get the numbers you need in order to justify the price you'd have to charge to an advertiser to make it worth your time. Because this show is freaking expensive to make. But that's why we have a listener-supported system. Because the people who want the content support the content, and that's the number we have to hit. We have to make those people, 288 people, happy. It doesn't matter how many downloads an episode gets. It matters that 288 people are happy, and that fundamentally changes the recipe of how you make a show. So go to Patreon.com. Become an Unfiltered supporter. We have some recommended pledge levels you can jump in at. Uh, The uh, swag is all filled right now, that pledge level. But given some time, that might open up again. But I would recommend jumping at the $5 level if you would. But you can contribute anything you want. Really, any amount helps. And uh, once you become a supporter, you get the BitTorrent Sync. You get the Supporter Show, which is a whole nother show. You get all the source files, all of the assets that make this show are notes. And you get the newsletter, plus you get to engage in the Patreon community. So go over to patreon.com unfilter and become a supporter of the Unfilter Show. We really appreciate it. It keeps this show on the air, and that's a good thing. Because I think we got to be talking about this stuff. This week, Iraq continues on. And I thought maybe we'd take a, a lighthearted approach while we ease our way into it. One of the things that always gets me is I collect all these clips, and we played a great montage of just some really, really just dead wrong stuff McCain has said since 2001 about Iraq, about how the oil would pay for Iraq, about how the anthrax was linked to Saddam, uh, you know, all of these things that he said like on Letterman, and he said on all of the Sunday shows. And it was a really good example of you know how he's kind of bumbled that up and what really gets me though is the press never seems to call him on any of this stuff he comes on all of their shows on their air as they call it this is this is how in the business they refer to it as yeah mccain was just on our air saying and he always wonder, like do they do they believe what mccain is saying are they part of the scam or are they just up there being prostitutes well We have a hot mic that gives us a little insight. Uh, Chuck Todd, right? That's his name. And uh, Hayes is the other guy's name. They're at the White House in the press room and there was a mic left on. Now, listen carefully because this was a room mic. But what you'll hear is Chuck Todd and Hayes going back and forth laughing about the ridiculous crap that McCain is saying and how it's totally inane. But yet, they don't say anything when they're actually on air. But this clip proves that they know it's all crap. So listen carefully.
12: Uh, anybody check John McCain, if you okay, now that
13: David Petraeus came out against him? <laughs> I know. I, mean, was, was I got to think, like, out. McCain must have had <laughs>
10: heart palpitations when <laughs> he David Petraeus said what? Oh, so, oh. now that'll be
18: audio
0: bomb. Here, I'll play it back. I'll, I'll decipher so far. Does anybody know how McCain's doing now that David Petraeus came out against going into Iraq? I bet McCain had heart palpitations.
10: Oh, yep. now that'll be now the Obama dance. Oh, so they God. have something on them.
12: It's good. <laughs> what's funny is that we us on our air an hour ago saying
1: he should send Petraeus to Iraq. But, oh, right. he went to, to Iraq.
13: Yeah. He sent it an hour ago. And oh, then and he gave us a speech history in London saying,
1: We can't be the Air Force of Iraq. Right. That's what's
12: amazing. No, he's like wanting Petraeus to be like.
0: So then they say, well, what's crazy is he was just on our air, our air saying that we should go into Iraq and we should have Air Force. And then he was on your air saying we shouldn't be the Air Force of Iraq. And then the other guy, goes, I know, it's crazy.
1: We can't be the Air
11: Force of Iraq. Right. That's what's amazing. No, he's like wanting to be like the guy.
13: Is crazy to say, we're well, not taking sides yep. I would think somebody right. in that country
4: knows but we've been there. there. <laughs> silver one on the left.
0: So there you go. Obviously, they realize these guys talk out their ass and just go on the air and lie to the American people, but yet they still don't say anything. So that's probably why you want to go over to patreon.com slash unfilter. So we can tell it like it is. Uh, Now, let's talk a little bit about ISIS. So we've got this massive spying infrastructure in place. The NSA and the GCHQ are dragnetting the entire world, intercepting the terrorist communications in real time. So surely we saw this advance that ISIS was going to take this blitz across Iraq, as it's called. We saw this coming. Right, Dianne Feinstein, chair of the Intelligence Committee? And he knew there
18: threat. were a brutal Did we bunch. know that, that uh, a third of Iraq could be taken over
8: so quickly? Did we see uh, that coming?
18: I would have to say no. Uh, but I think it's a real wake up call for the United States uh, because they do want to develop the caliphate. Uh, they do want to, and they now have just about destroyed the border with Syria. Um, I think the president's doing the right thing. He's being a bit circumspect. He's uh, being thoughtful. Right. Now, let me me just go back
8: to the first point. It is a little startling to me that after some intelligence failures in the past, that the, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee says yeah it was a surprise to find out that they could move that quickly and kind of buzz their way through um, sunni territories, but, but nonetheless, so quickly and get so close to Baghdad. what
18: happened here isn 't that does that upset you, <laughs> you, you well, let 's look at this practically you either have to have the technical means uh, up in the sky or in other places or you have to have assets, people who will give you human intelligence. This is a different culture. It's very difficult to pierce. Uh, The piercing intelligence-wise from the position of human intelligence has been very difficult all along. So uh, I I think there is a a view that, well, we're always going to criticize. And um, we just can't do this. We have to build up. The diversity of our intelligence assets People and see that they're adequate. The, uh, yeah, the local culture, we have lackings cetera, just in, Nor- in North Africa, in Yemen. Uh, the world's a big place, Candy. <laughs> and this is extraordinarily difficult to do. Is the ISIS an immediate threat to U.S. homeland security? Well, I believe it can be. I believe that the recruiting in Europe. Uh, There's no question in these three places, Spain, Germany, the number of passport fighters. uh, We know there are at least 100 Americans that have gone to the arena to fight who have an American passport. We're going to try to get back. We know that they can go back to the European country. And if it's a visa waiver country come right into the united states
0: now i want you to pay attention here because what she's talking about is upping surveillance of people that come back to the united states a hundred visas are in syria right now i mean a hundred
18: passports a hundred passports you know there are at least a hundred americans that have gone to their arena to fight who have an american passport who are going to try to get back we know that they can go back to their european country and if it's a visa waiver country come right into the United States. So this is where I think we need to build our intelligence to see that we can disrupt the plot in this country before it happens, because there will be plots to kill Americans.
0: So Diane Feinstein's convinced that the situation with ISIS will result in plots against Americans. She said there is a threat against Americans. So keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. But first, I want to start on something else. Do you believe that our intelligence agencies didn't know about ISIS? That's absolutely false.
14: This comes
5: as the head of Kurdish intelligence tells the Telegraph newspaper that he warned the CIA and Britain's intelligence agency, MI6, about the ISIS threat five months before the recent attacks. Oh,
0: So what you're saying is they were warned five months before the recent attacks. Uh, Okay. So they probably did know. Uh, In fact, you recall the clip we played, they've known since the early 90s that this would happen. And they've already been saying on the news that Iraq's going to split into three states. I mean, this is something that they've been talking about now for years, literally. Uh, However, the part that really hurts would be the situation in Syria and the oil situation. That's, I think, what we need to focus on for a little bit here on this show. I, I We talked about the oil situation a little bit last week. We talked about the Syria thing a little bit last week. I want to double down on those this week.
16: There are three main border crossings between Syria and Iraq. Militants took control of Tel Afar last week. Yesterday, al-Qaim fell. Now al Walid, the last major border station under Iraqi control, has been overrun by gunmen. The seizures will allow ISIS to move heavy weapons and large numbers of fighters quickly and easily from Syria into Iraq.
0: Oh, uh, hold on, uh, just a dumb question: uh, When you say weapons from Syria would be, would those be the weapons that we've been, the West has been supplying to the Syrian rebels that are now in the hands of ISIS in Iraq?
16: The seizures will allow ISIS to move heavy weapons and large numbers of fighters quickly and easily from Syria into Iraq. Yet at a briefing today in Baghdad, the Iraqi Armed Forces spokesman claimed this was not a defeat for his army, but a tactical retreat. The withdrawal from these cities, he said, aimed to better redeploy the army in these regions to ensure better control. No, we're
0: not running, dog. We're just buffing up. We're just moving over here, getting strong, stretching. We're not on retreat. And unfortunately, the situation now when it comes to oil, eh, depending on who you ask, it's bad. Iraqi government says there's no problem. However, everybody else says that ISIS has taken over one of Iraq's largest oil refineries.
8: This morning, U.S. fighter jets from the aircraft carrier USS Bush in the Persian Gulf are flying surveillance missions across Iraqi skies, gathering intelligence, looking for armed militants. The warplanes backed up by additional surveillance aircraft and drones patrolling the skies around the clock, providing the U.S. military on the ground real-time images from the Pentagon to Baghdad. But the U.S. says there are still gaps in intelligence, making large-scale airstrikes difficult without significant civilian casualties. But the clock is ticking. This morning, Iraq's largest oil refinery has reportedly fallen into the hands of the militants, who can now cut power across parts of Iraq and control the sale of gasoline.
0: Like we mentioned last week, they're indeed selling that oil and then using those profits to fund their activities. Now, ABC just gave it sort of a quick mention there at the end of that report about the oil refinery. Uh, It turns out uh, this oil refinery accounts for like almost a quarter of Iraq's oil production, or Iraq, depending on how you're supposed to say it, and... Iraq's economy is essentially 95% oil. So this is kind of a big deal.
16: Here's why it's important. Well, Baiji accounts for more than a quarter of Iraq's entire refining capacity. The facility processes about 300,000 barrels a day, supplying petrol stations nationwide as well as power plants. Battles over the Baiji refinery have already led the petrol rationing, but its seizure could mean massive queues at gas stations and lengthy electricity outages.
0: Yeah. So now we're starting to talk about oil prices because, well, I mean, this is a serious point. Uh, and of course, it just turns out the sectarian violence happens to be right along where a lot of the pipelines are. Isn't that interesting how that happens? Uh, so you got to ask yourself, we've now know we've sent over 300 uh, specialists, They're not necessarily combat troops. They don't even call them ground troops, even though they are indeed actually on the ground. They call them advisors. So Nora Jones, I believe, I think it's who got a chance to talk to Obama, asked him, you know, what are we going to be doing with the troops?
19: Scott, the Pentagon says it now has the necessary legal protections to allow teams of special forces to begin an on-the-ground assessment of the fighting in Iraq. And that's the first step toward determining whether airstrikes would do any good. The first two 12-man teams made up of military personnel already in Baghdad can start work almost immediately. At least two more teams are expected to fly in this week. They have three missions. Assess the condition of the Iraqi military, gauge the threat posed by the insurgents beginning first around Baghdad, and determine how many more advisors are needed, up to a total of 300. If the advisors can identify insurgent targets worth hitting without causing civilian casualties, airstrikes could be launched from an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf.
0: Oh, good. That's great. So one of the things we've been hearing a lot is let's do airstrikes, let's do airstrikes. And the Obama administration hasn't said, no, we're not doing airstrikes. That's crazy. What they've said is we don't know who we want to hit. Now, the Iraq government has even requested that the U.S. do airstrikes. So we've kind of gotten the green light, but we don't know who we want to hit. Well, guess what? These advisors aren't going to go in there blind. This is obviously becoming a CIA operation. They go in there. They have their eyes. They get the drones going. They do the surveillance. They identify the places. They send in the planes. Of course, they're going to have the advisors there on the ground. It all makes sense now. So everybody's been going after them. Why only 300? Why only 300? You need 20,000 is what Dick Cheney said. You need 20,000 troops. Well, the reason is is because they don't do it that way anymore. They're going in with the intelligence agencies, and they're going in with some drones, and they're going in with air power. I don't know if it's going to work, but I think that's their plan, uh, which means they're going to rely heavily on surveillance. They're going to rely heavily on on those advisors to identify targets. Be, uh, it's going to be, I don't want to say interesting to watch, uh, but we'll see how it goes, I guess. Uh, there's a little bit of a battle going on over the situation in Iraq, and I'm always... I just, I don't understand why Dick Cheney and all these old all these old war hawks keep getting pulled back out to talk about Iraq, because it, to me, seems like they blew it. So why are they coming back out? Uh, and Rand Paul kind of uh, apparently had that same thought, and he took to an editorial in response to an editorial that, that Dick Cheney wrote, in which Dick Cheney called the president a fool and hugely mistaken, et cetera, et cetera. So Rand Paul says, you know, we just need to stop ignoring, we just need to start ignoring all these guys that got it wrong before, and then... Uh, ABC uh, called up Dick Cheney and gave him a chance to respond.
13: You wrote in your op-ed, rarely has a U.S. president been so wrong about so much at the expense of so many. But a lot of your critics, left and right, say that you're the one that has over and over again been wrong on Iraq, and they point to statements like these.
15: Regime change in Iraq would bring about a number of benefits to the region. We will, in fact, be greeted as liberators. I think they're in the the last throes, if you will, of the insurgency.
13: Now, Rand Paul, pointing to things like that, wrote in the Wall Street Journal also, many of those clamoring for military action now are the same people who made every false assumption imaginable about the cost, challenge, and purpose of the Iraq war. They have been wrong for so long. Why should we listen to them, listen to them again? Your response?
15: With all, d- all due respect, John, I was a strong supporter then of going into Iraq I'm a strong supporter now. Everybody knows what my position is. There's nothing to be argued about there. But if we spend our time debating what happened 11 or 12 years ago, we're going to miss the threat that is growing and that we do face. Rand Paul, with all due respect, is basically an isolationist. He doesn't believe we ought to be involved in that part of the world. I think it's absolutely essential. One of the things I worried about Twelve years ago, and that I worry about today is that there will be another nine eleven attack, oh. and that the next time it'll be with weapons far deadlier than airline tickets and box cutters.
0: <laughs> That's a good line. That's a good line. Uh, I, I like. I like. Stilling, I like how he just distilled all of nine eleven down to box cutters. Uh, only the cold cut of Dick Cheney's knife could cut that deep. Now we remember our buddy, Diane Feinstein, your friend. She was convinced that America was going to get attacked because of ISIS, just like Dick there was. So you got to figure, I'm sure Obama is pretty damn worried about ISIS and the threat it poses to the American people.
5: How urgent of a threat to the American people is ISIS?
7: I think it's fair to say that uh, their extreme ideology poses a medium and long-term threat. Uh, There are a lot of groups out there that probably have more advanced, immediate plans directed against the United States that we have to be on uh, constant guard for. The thing about an organization like this is that typically when they control territory because they're so violent, because they're so extreme, uh, over time the local populations reject them. We've seen that. Uh, time and time again.
0: So was his answer... Now, did I I believe his answer was that we don't have to worry? Is that what he just said? Because they probably have more advanced, immediate plans
7: directed against the United States that we have to be on uh, constant guard for. The thing about it...
0: So there's other groups. Oh, hmm. I don't understand, because Dick and uh, uh, Feinstein said that uh, they were an immediate threat. I believe Rogers said the same. I just... I'm so confused. You know what we should do... Since I just can't seem to put it all together, maybe we should end on a bit of a high note, a hysterical high note this week. And I mean hysteria in the bad kind. So cannabis goes legal right here in Washington State next month. And our local media is completely crapping their pants about it.
16: Thank you, Kristen. Her father allegedly gave her hash oil to make pot brownies that she took to school. Now the 16-year-old Puyallup girl has been placed under house arrest at her sister's home. Come with Matt Markovich shows us what happened at her first court appearance.
4: The 16-year-old made her first appearance ever in a courtroom, charged with three counts of distributing a controlled substance, a felony in a state that's legalized the adult use of marijuana. She's accused of making a batch of brownies mixed with BHO, butane hash oil she got from her father, who's also been arrested for distributing a controlled substance.
0: Okay, I'm loving this already. Think of the children, people. So we've got, think of the children in here. We've got hash oil and we've got edible. You guys know we've been doing this segment now for a little while. This is the freaking trifecta. They're nailing it right now. Here we go. End of the month. It's about to go legal. All three notes.
4: Prosecutors say she gave the pot brownies to three classmates at Emerald Ridge High School. They got sick told the school nurse, and that's how the teenager was caught.
2: Didn't make them a little bit high,
0: <laughs> made them sick. Oh,
4: That's a problem. Sheriff Paul Pastore is making an example of the case, warning that kids bringing homemade marijuana edibles to school may happen more often, and it's hard to judge how strong the edibles can be. You can take very high
6: levels of THC, and it's not going to kill you. You can be very uncomfortable.
4: Professionals say there are warning signs if someone's eaten a strong pot brownie.
10: It can cause... Severe uh,
4: confusion, acute psychosis,
10: hypotension.
16: Okay, And no contact with any of the
17: alleged victims and no contact with your father. The
4: judge told the alleged first-time offender she's placing her under house arrest into the custody of her sister until the trial. Her father, Michael Dennis Miller, remains in jail after authorities discovered a large marijuana grow operation at the family home in Puyallup.
0: Oh, bummer. Yeah, so he stays in jail. The kid's in house arrest. Uh, That was a pretty good trifecta. Uh, maybe we could get one more. Think of the children, though, because really, and I, I got to. You know what, you guys, I, I'm I I I did not I didn't even grab half of them. I didn't even grab half of them. I just picked a couple for you. Not even like the best. I just like well. There's here's a few of them. I can't do too many of these. Well, we got to play one more.
9: John Hurt wanted to make sure his kids were equipped with the right information to make good decisions
11: about drugs.
0: Now, you remember last week? I think it was we played a clip where a dad took out some Skittles or M and M's. Was like, "Look, kids, these could be pot." And then that they actually made a new segment out of that. You probably remember that clip. But it was like, I can't believe they've turned this into a new segment. And I was like, they would never. They must have just like they needed to. They needed to just put something in there for three minutes and twenty three seconds. They had to have a segment. They'll never do that again. They, that was that was a fluke. They had to fill time. So he initiated the conversation. We discussed a lot about
15: with our kids to. Uh, not have, be pressured into doing drugs and uh, all that kind of stuff and if someone comes up to you and approaches you and tells you, hey, do you want to smoke pot behind uh, school or just tell them, you know, no thank you.
0: It is a message that has stuck with his son Tyler. It, no thanks bro, no thanks. And you know, really when, you know, that's all it takes for kids. That's you do that, you're good parents. That's all you gotta worry about.
17: It's helped because there's people at, at, my, at my school that do drugs and stuff so then if I know if anybody comes up to me or anything to ask if I wanted to do drugs, to say no because I want to do good in school.
0: Of course, those drugs are Ritalin and antidepressants.
9: (laughs) Washington
17: Department of Health wants all parents to start
9: the same conversation, and they have a new ad campaign to help them.
17: One out of five 10th graders in Washington already uses marijuana, increasing their risk for school failure and depression. Now that it's legal for those over 21, it's more important than ever to talk to your kids about the risks of marijuana. Health
9: officials say brain development continues at least until a person and is 21 years old.
0: So watch out, everybody. Because once you turn 21, you're good, though. Your brain doesn't develop anymore after that. Don't bother learning nothing. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. So smoke all the weed you want after 21. But before 21, don't you go near it. Unless you have horrible convulsions, or you have cancer, or you can't eat anything. You know, those kinds of things. Then maybe if you're under 21. But other than that. Alright, listen, I'd love to have you go over to our subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com. Really good stuff in the subreddit this week I really appreciate it There was tons of stuff that I wanted to work in But I decided since Chase wasn't here I'd make this a companion to 102 So it's sort of like part one, part two So I kept it really focused But I really appreciate the contributions Over at unfiltered.reddit.com Also thanks to everybody who went over to iTunes And commented on our MP3 feed you guys, helped with Disco- you guys helped with Discovery And we're still asking for folks to do that I know It means you gotta use iTunes But we'd really appreciate it Oh, one big disclaimer unfilters on monday next week yeah yeah i'm going out of town so i'll be shooting unfilter monday evening 6 p.m we're going to update the calendar in fact it should be already updated you can always go to jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar to get all of that stuff so instead of doing our wednesday night join us on a monday night that might be an opportunity for somebody who can't normally make it because when you come over to our live page you get the supporter show you get to help name the show you get to hang out with us it's a really good time So, we'd love to have you for episode 104 Monday night over at jblive.tv, 6 p.m. Pacific, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Uh, Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chrislas. That's another way to find out when we're live. That's another way to find out if times have changed, too. twitter.com slash chrislas. And go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and send in your feedback to the Unfilter Show. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next week. If you want more show, Tech Talk today, we had our Google I.O. live stream, Mumble Room join me, and we cover Google I.O., all the announcements, Android L, all that stuff. That's out. It was a two-hour episode. But you can get like one concentrated dose on everything that Google announced at I.O. Uh, JBTitles.com. Let's go boat, JBTitles.com. JB Back in Iraq two, up at the top, uh Cheney's Essential Iraq, uh Cheney reaction. Cheney reaction, kind of like chain reaction. Cheney Iraq reaction. No, that's no good. Shortest unfilter ever. Yeah, it was 40 minutes, yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, that might be close, but uh, it goes, when you have uh, half of the commentary gone, it's going to go quicker, right? And uh, I decided to keep it tight so that way I can make it home on time and keep it focused to make this part do. Uh, Back in Iraq 2, Back in Iraq 2. Jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com. Yeah, that Google I.O. protester was something. All right, I think we'll go with Back in Iraq. I like it. I'm going to go with Dick Cheney, though, for the art, I think. It's so simple and straightforward that it just makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Well, you know what's interesting about this episode is I didn't have my do- my notes up, my doc up at all. This whole episode is just all off the top of my head. Which is not totally uncommon for a show, but it's uncommon for Unfiltered. Quite uncommon. But it's actually one of the nice things about keeping it focused is I just kind of speak from stuff that I already know. I mean, not that I don't normally, but it's like sometimes I'm trying to get the names or I'm trying to get the dates and it's just easy to have the notes but uh, this week it worked out where I was able to just focus on. It's you know I needed a little less to have to worry about, so it worked out really well and it wasn't a problem. Uh. Oh really, Eric? Oh, that's uh, Ick in the chat room says that one of the protesters is being evicted from her home by a Google executive. Oh, and then later there was a protester who was protesting their uh, Boston Dynamics killer robots. Kind of heavy. A little heavy. You should give up smoking.
5: Yeah.
0: You know what that means. It's time to get out of here. So I think we're going with Back in Iraq too. Oh, yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, now, uh, join us Monday next week for the Unfilter show. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going out of town during on Wednesday. Tax snap tomorrow. Thanks everybody. See you next week.